and welcome to a, uh, a maybe the best way to describe it would be a capsule episode of uh, Novel Not New, a trend podcast. Uh, it's been a while since we've recorded one of these, and uh, things have been shaking up a little bit, so we decided to create a smaller episode as kind of an interlude between the past show and what's coming soon. I am your host, Jennifer Uncle. And I'm joined, as always, by Six Detmar. If this game, if this uh, show, what, how this show would go is uh, Ryo Hazuki would walk up to a vending machine, put a quarter in, turn the, ha- turn the handle, and this show would come out. He'd pick it up and say, this is cool. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, it's capsule episode. So, yeah, uh, due to a number of uh, reasons... Uh, M has uh, stepped away from the podcast, and we totally support them in that endeavor. They're they basically had other thing, a lot of stuff on their plate, and uh, we wanted to offload some of that by working on finding a new co-host. And uh, so, yeah. Um, in the meantime, it'll just be the two of us. But um, as we'll talk about at the end of the podcast, I believe. Uh, that's going to change pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the next the next episode, like we we have found a new co-host. The next episode will have the new co-host. We're just uh, we just wanted to give this little episode to sort of like do the transition, and also because uh, by the time we'd uh, we'd finished our search and found someone, um, we had already committed to doing this, and it's like, hey, we got like codes for this, and we want to talk about this game, but like we don't we. We want to make sure that going forward, anything we 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 pick, all three of us agree on, rather than it being like "Welcome aboard, you have to cover this." Totally, and uh, without further ado, we'll go ahead and uh, introduce the game we're talking about. Uh, this is uh, Dizzy Hearts, uh, Chapter One of the game specifically. Uh, it was developed by Loopysoft, and one of its developers gave me several codes. Uh, that we partially used for a quick Twitter giveaway, and then we used the other two to uh, play it and review it more or less. Well, not to review it, uh, to talk about it on this podcast. To give it give it the old roundtable. I mean, we both played it to completion, so like you know, we're, we have we have completed thoughts on it. But you know, this isn't it's not a review cast. It's just we're gonna sit down, we're gonna talk about it. Totally. And. Uh... Yeah, uh, this is a bit different than everything else we've covered so far um, in two ways. One, this is a work-in-progress game, more or less. Like, um, the first chapter is completely done, but it's pretty clear that it's supposed to... You're supposed to carry over your progress from this chapter into the others to make more decisions down the line. Also... Yeah, they, they're basically re- releasing this episodically, as far as I can tell. Mm-hmm. It's even to the point where, like, on the Steam page, it lists uh, voice actors for every character, and there's no voice acting in the game yet, so. Mm-hmm. And the other big departure for us this time is that uh, we're covering a adults-only visual novel. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess there will be a, a few uh, warnings up front. One, the usual spoiler warning. We're going to talk about this, so there's going to be spoilers. Uh, next, uh, just general adult content warning. We're going to be talking about sex and eroticism and gender and sexuality and all that stuff. Um, 
And uh, this, I just up front, this game is not. Here's, hmm, I guess we're gonna have to have this part early. Um, this game is uh not like a hentai game, right? It's not explicitly pornographic. Um. But uh, it is listed as, basically it is listed as adults only on Steam. And I think that's the correct decision. Yes, like, there's nothing that's shown per se, but there are several moments where the characters are practically naked and the only thing covering them up are things like Steam clouds, or at, at one point it straight up just looks like someone... Like, uh, took a white pen and scratched out certain parts. Like, maybe not scratched out, more like... Yeah, there's, there's, uh, there's, especially at the very end, there's a scene where a character is just standing there with a, with a big shiny light over their erect dick. And it's like, listen, they have on Twitter kind of protested this being labeled an adult game, and it's like... Just because you don't like openly show people getting railed doesn't make it not an adult game. Let's let's not play around here. Yeah, it, it's definitely a game that is for adults, and um, it, it's one of those situations where it it may be a it's a different sort of adult game than I'm used to. Like, I guess we did cover Lady Killer in a Bind, so it isn't our first rodeo with adult games no not at all on this podcast but uh it, it's it's a specific sort of adult game that we haven't done yet uh i think you referred to it as uh etchy when we were looking at it yeah because it is um because it is never like completely explicit like there's you know this is a this is a game that's about sex and has some very explicit references to sex and and I mean like it is to the point where people are sitting around commenting about each other's genitalia and like just sort of dropping that in conversation it it feels like it's uh you know th this is the etchy games traditionally well traditionally I don't fucking weird thing to t consider tradition in this context but usually are games where it's like they're being really like weirdly coy about shit where it's like oh no no this popsicle is dripping all over me and it's like okay sure but this isn't like it's not that it's basically it basically feels like a hentai game where they just just the hentai doesn't happen for some reason totally and i appreciate it's frankness on specific uh bits of conversation regarding its sexuality um though it does it does lead to this weird uh this weird state where it feels both totally comfortable with the sexuality and also is hiding a lot of it away yeah it feels like the the like in that sense i don't know if the plan is for like chapter two to get more into this stuff because it does make sense from the character's perspective, at least, that um, the main character, uh, Sereva, who we'll talk about, um, in the first chapter is not uh, DTF, as it were. Um, and so, like, okay, I guess it makes sense that you're making a game where that, it doesn't, like, explicitly happen on screen. But the game is so interested in it and talking about it that it makes it really strange that they're not willing to show it then. I agree, and... Uh... 
Oh, we should probably go ahead and get into what the actual story is of the game itself. Um, basically, you play this uh, young woman named Sariva, um, and uh, part of your part of the tradition within your specific uh, within your specific nation, like uh, your people live within. Um, basically a desert area. And uh, around the time that they come of age, the idea is that um, you go out and explore the world and come back and use your experiences out in the world to enrich your own culture. Like, Sarefa's specific thing, or Sariva's specific thing, is uh, storytelling. And it seems like that's pretty common within her within her nation, but uh, it's not made entirely clear whether that's something that she chose herself or whether that's just the expected tradition within her family. Mm-hmm. So their first stop happens to be this snowy land named Antonia where the sun never rises. And while she she's basically traveling with a bunch of merchants and while they're... While they're out and about, um, she decides to wander around the city of Lungard and check things out. She happens to bump right into a princess named Mercilia, and her her guardian is immediately like, Oh, I'm so sorry. Why don't we have you come over and stay at our place for a little bit? And slowly... Well, I'd say that pretty quickly turns into... Hey, why don't you just stay here for the whole year? Uh, I know you're just supposed to be here for a week or so, but you could... I'd really love to host you for a year. And through that, through those interactions, you start to figure out that there's something slightly bigger going on here, and they see you as someone who could be possibly an asset to Mercilia and the kingdom at large. Uh, yeah, and so like the the day to day, as it were, of the game is mostly just you in the um in the princess's uh, manner, like talking to various people, occasionally going out on the town, and undergoing culture shock over and over. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a lot of moments where your character walks into a situation and says something that turns out to be incredibly inappropriate for that culture or for that religion, and everyone kind of realizes that you're not from around here so they are pretty lenient about it but it's it really is walking into one awkward situation after another mm-hmm. like uh one of the more prominent moments at least up front is uh when you're when you're brought back to the castle and you're talking with Ion Ray uh who is basically the head priestess you find out that she has a lot of wives, and Sariva is caught off guard by that by quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is part of like this is part of why I think it's a little weird because this game is so heavily set up to be a hentai game, right? Like every pretty much everything about Antonian culture is like, oh, okay, there are um like there are the two genders are uh, women and then like her- hermaphroditic women basically and everyone runs around in skimpy clothes and the way you worship is by drinking beer and having a lot of sex and the food tradition is that you feed each other and it's like you're 
leaning so hard and i think it's all pretty well executed um it does it does seem a little like it seems so created towards one purpose that i find it a little weird but like the writing all seems pretty strong to me um but yeah then it it makes the fact that it doesn't ever actually pull the trigger on that stuff makes it feel really weird like i'm not sure what they're trying to go for here by making everyone and everything so horny I think it's a situation where hmm, it's hard to read too much into exactly what they were, what the intent is when it's only chapters one out of uh, any number of chapters in the future. It it seems like they were trying to make something that was both possible to sell on Steam and also just something that combines more horny elements with a actual story reason for that. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like in my limited experience with uh, certain uh, erotic games, that's a very hard line to walk. And as you said, I think they do pretty good at uh, a lot of those elements. It's just also sometimes it's a situation where, oh, we're going to this fancy ball at this uh, snowy kingdom and everyone well everyone from the specific family is uh basically going in lingerie but it it is interesting because immediately when you get there you find out oh that's that's like half the people here and the other half are dressed like uh princes or things like that Mm -hmm. yeah i think there is a definitely like once you in that in that last couple of scenes of the of the chapter one, you do get a, a wider view of of the um, culture here in in the city of Lundgard, and you do see like okay, not everyone is just you know fully dedicated to being horny all the time, um, and it, it I think it does uh, the game a service by fleshing things out that actually it could have used earlier. Um, because it does sort of frame things as like, well, no, you're living with like one of the head uh, priestesses, and the priestesses have their have sexuality tied like very core to their identity and their day to day life. Um, and in a house where you know there isn't a priestess running things, maybe things would be a little different. Um, and I think that context would have been better served a little earlier on. Mm-hmm. Though I could totally see it presented in a sense where you're supposed to share the same perspective as Sariva and. She's basically learning every new bit of information about this kingdom as we are. And it is kind of interesting and funny that her initial reaction to getting those clothes is, this is just a prank, isn't it? And then when she sees everyone else, she kind of gets more context as it goes along. And we do too. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the bit where someone else comes in and it's like, oh, I guess we just dress like this. And then you meet uh, the really the, you meet the princess that's basically set up as the person who seems most likely to take things over, uh, Juliana, and she's dressed like a Rose of Versailles um, character, even holding a flower in one hand. Mm-hmm. And even you arrive at the party, and someone's like, "Oh wow, that's a bold dress," and you're like, "God damn it." <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah i think um 
I know. I like I like the the character writing for this fairly well. I think um, the characters like uh, Mercilia we don't get too much with, and she's kind of just uh, like uh, underage Sundere, which is like okay. That's I don't have a beef with that, but there's not a lot to say there. Um, I think um, my favorite character is actually one that isn't here on the Steam page, which is uh, Mima, who is the um, so. Uh, Irair is the royal thaumaturge, and Mima is her apprentice. Um, and there's a lot of good content with with Mima, just sort of, um, she's really eager to learn, she's really nice, she's really friendly, but she also has, like, there are a lot of spots where it's easy to bump into, you know, where uh, Sereva's ignorance about both culture and also the people around her bumps into Mima being like, yeah, I don't want to talk about that. Um, and I just think it's really good. Mm-hmm. She also, they also handle her small arc in the first chapter pretty well. Like when you, you eventually figure out that she is glaring, um, she's glaring whenever a young Ray is around and you slowly figure out from her that basically um, Ayonre and Erer used to be used to be a couple together, and essentially Ayonre was ready to give up her role as a priestess in order to be with Erer, and they had a falling out because of that that ended up costing Erer one of her eyes. And it it's one of those situations where maybe it would have been wander, water under the bridge if Herrera happened to move anywhere else, but now she's living in Ayunre's castle, and the two of them still seem to be not ready to move on. And this irritates Mima because she clearly loves Herrera immensely. Mm-hmm. Like, she comes to you with the proposal of, hey, you seem to be an interesting person. Maybe, maybe you can get her affections and help her drop her obsession with Ayunre, but... It really seems like a gambit to be like, it's, we need to help her move on if I want to have any future with this person who I deeply adore. Mima, uh, Mima is there with a stack of cash like, you need to get her on the market, I'm ready to buy. And you're like, <laughs> okay, okay I'll, I'll see what I can do. Um, I do think, so, one of the characters that doesn't get a lot of fleshing out is, uh, Nail, who is, uh, Mercilia's, uh, bodyguard, and you learn later, um, like, stepsister, and, or half-sister, I always mix up step, I think it's half, technically, because of marriage stuff? I guess it would be half-sister. I always mix that up. Um, and Nail doesn't get a whole lot of development, partially just because she's a very, like, terse antisocial character and so this you know naturally it would take more time than this this just first chapter to develop her but uh one of the bits of development you do get has me kind of kind of cocking my head a little bit um i i I don't know i didn't her her position in like one of the last scenes of the game yeah is Uh. something we have to talk about yeah, so in this ball, after after the queen is chosen and surprised, it's uh, Mercilia, the one who seems to be the least confident. Um, 
before this ceremony actually took place, uh, Queen Lind uh, gave you a medallion and an invitation to come see her in her chambers to discuss things after the ceremony. You get there at the ceremony, and Nail is there with uh, Queen Lend. Both of them are naked. She's pouring oil on the back of the queen. And you find out through conversation that uh, Nail is also one of uh, Queen Lend's daughters, but uh, it basically became a became the bodyguard because she was not a, as the game puts it, a fior. Mm-hmm. And that disqualifies her from royalty. And, and, uh, and, and in this conversation... Oh, go ahead. Well, and so you kind of have this moment where it's like, okay, so she's giving her mom a back massage, and this is, you know, a, a borderline hentai game. So this scene is, like, heavily sexualized, but it's like, okay, I guess it is just a back massage. And then the queen is openly like, oh, yeah, I get a big boner whenever my daughter gives me a back massage. And you're like, yikes. Uh, yikes. I don't have a- I, yikes is all I got. That's a yikes for me. Yeah, it, it's a situation where I feel like- I, I don't feel like the game is- I feel like the game might also be hinting that this is kind of messed up. Especially the way that Nail seems to be treated around Queenland. She's- she's not- she's not comfortable in this situation at all, and- it seems like something that'll come up later, and Queen Len seems like a kind of a terrible person overall, just because of the way that she talks about her daughters, not even just Nail, just everyone in general. But, uh, yeah, it's something that's, it's an awkward point to leave on in the first chapter of a game, especially when the other chapters aren't available yet. Like, if there were, say, chapter two or three that dove into why this was happening. It would still be an uncomfortable scene, but uh, it'd be a situation where I feel like we could talk with a bit more... We, we, we'd, have a be- we'd have a better understanding of what they were going for here. But separated as is, it's, it's one of the situations where you're just like, uh, I'd rather not think about this at all. Yeah. And- um, so, I mean, like, it is, it is not resolved in a way that is really uncomfortable, but even at, you know, even if you, if it were resolved, um, it's still, like, you know, it's, the, it's, a, like, the classic thing about, like, about writing fantasy, right, where people talk about, like, well, you know, of course there are oppressed people in my world, it's just for part of the, you know, and it's like, well, you could have made anything. It's like, you could have decided to talk about anything in this story, um, this is a world where, like, the sun doesn't move compared to the planet. They, I guess they're tidally locked, or I don't know, but basically the the um, the um land where Sereva is from is always in sunlight, and the land here in uh, Alonia is always in, in darkness lit by the moon. Um, that's not how the real world works. So, like, you've already chosen this fantastical element, and then to be like, well, but we really want to explore the idea of a mom sexually abusing her kid. It's like, I don't, though. I don't want to explore that personally. Yeah, that's, uh, I think I agree with you there. Like, overall, I'd say that I like a lot about what this game is doing. I enjoy the characters. They, they do a really good job with all the world building stuff. Like, they get into this whole thing where Mercilia accidentally 
breaks your your heirloom from your culture and because there's not a lot of sunlight there's no sunlight where they for where they live they can't exactly replicate the same glass you had to keep it in there and there's a lot of good moments like that mm-hmm. but yeah th- there's moments where the sexuality I don't want to... Hmm. It's the best way to put it. <laughs> it it's so awkward to talk about this I mean, stuff, you can, sometimes. You can, but... Here, you can disagree or agree with me here. My position has always, always been... And this is, this is going to sound a lot more harsh than an I feel, because actually, I enjoyed this game. I thought it was pretty good. Um, but, like, if you look at, let's say, Dead or Alive Extreme 2, as an example, I don't understand that game. Either show people fucking or don't. I don't. The middle ground doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And I'm an ace. Maybe this. I, this is just a brain wiring thing. But to me, it's like if you are so interested in sex, just make a game about sex. the The fact that this game is clearly so fascinated by this, but it feels to me like it's just like. But if we do that, we're not going to get on Steam. So let's walk the closest we possibly can to that line. Uh just feels weird and feels like it doesn't serve the story they're telling to me. For sure. And it could be a case where they get into more of that uh, as it goes on, because a lot of it, a lot of this first chapter is Sariva uh, expressing her discomfort with uh, being around. Well, if not discomfort, then just discomfort in terms of not being used to something like this people being very open and affectionate with each other um, openly and with uh, multiple partners. Mm-hmm. And it, it's possible that as we go on, they'll start to be, if not exactly more explicit than actually just show more people romantically engaged and have someone that Sariva gets to date herself. But um yeah, it's one of the situations where it's not a topic I've covered at um very often outside of the one game we've done in the past, which was very explicit. But I think that you have a bit more history than I do. Bizarrely, yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, like um, from from what you've told me before, you're. You have some familiarity with this genre. There was a period of my life where I was trying to figure out my sexuality, and I was like, well, I like video games. Let's go. There. <laughs> that's all you need to know. Um, yeah, that, that's that's a good point. <clears throat> um, I will say, though, we've had, you know, I think the writing is good. There are some some points where I think it stumbles, and also some points where it's, mm, um, I do have, like, the art style is very much like, you know, uh, like individual novel you wouldn't mistake this for like you know some you know like like you know big Japanese visual novel but I think that's to its benefit there are points where the art is maybe a little like there are specific like pieces of art where it feels a little bit lower quality maybe but there is a lot of art in this game considering it's its budget um, or at least what I perceive its budget to be um, the portraits animate, they blink, there are a lot of expressions, there's a lot of contextual art, and especially one of the things I really, really love is when a character is not going to be like a, a, a recurring important character, um, they do a thing where they, um, 
they make their hair like they do anyone else's, but the rest of their body is done in like like black lace, and it looks really cool. It's incredibly striking. Like the art style in general, I feel like is one of the stronger things about this, and it's one of those situations where it's a fantasy world where it's interesting to look at, and also the way that they accentuate the way that they. They still have people who matter that are cloaked in that sort of lace shadow that uh, mostly it's the servants and people that you run into in public and things like that. Mm-hmm. But it does add this sense that you're in a unfamiliar world surrounded by people that uh, have much greater stature than you do. Yeah, no, they, they you put it well. Oh, <laughs> I completely blanked on a pretty important part of the game, which is Sereva, as we talked about, as a storyteller. Mm-hmm. And one of the main mechanics of this game is you telling stories to the people around you to communicate your feelings about things or just to impress people. And there's something very charming about the way that your character constantly finds ways to bring these uh, little wooden mannequin characters, like little pogs, around, even in situations where, like, you bring, you managed to bring them to the party, too, and everyone's like, where did you put those? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there's something fascinating about the way that it's like, okay, so you're you're talking to this audience, and you have to choose a tone for each specific part of the story. And, of course, Sarifa herself will be the one who actually embellishes the details and things like that, but you get to choose a tone or a direction the story is taking. And this is also likely something that will be more fleshed out in the later chapters, mm-hmm. but uh, it's it's an interesting way to handle... Like, it obfuscates the visual novel thing of coming to decision branches and choosing A or B. And it does give this greater sense of, oh, the story is going somewhat as I direct it, but also it feels like it's flowing rather naturally. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because um, it's it's often you're telling stories in context where basically you're try- you're setting a tone. Um, and that's not as simple as, you know, like you think of other visual novels. And I, I do think this game is, is fairly like, like, dating sim e right this is very much about romance and relationships um and so like you take i don't know just take a very classic like you know japanese dating sim and you're like yes i'll go with you sakura and you're like no you stupid girl i won't um there are no choices well not no choices but there are basic there are very few choices like that and there are none with the storytelling like there was a there's the situation where um uh, Marsilia has has broken the uh, terrarium for your um, your calendar mushroom, the heirloom uh, from your people. That's really important to you, and you go to tell her a story to explain it. And I kept choosing this. I was like, oh, like sad opening, like bummer, mi- bummer middle, bummer ending. And she was like, I get it. You're fucking sad. And I'm like, all right, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, I I tried to be. I tried to. Haha, <laughs> walk on glass in that regard, and uh, or walk on eggshells, and basically told it in the gentlest way possible. And 
she also did kind of like a, oh, like, okay, I get it sort of situation, but it felt like it was leaning more towards, it, this is something I'm trying to work on, and I am sorry about this. Mm. Yeah, it is It is one of those things where I'm curious how much it actually bridges things, but, it's, you know, it's also the, like, the thing, the, the one of the big lessons we've learned of narrative games, right? Which is, like, as long as it feels like you're having an effect, does it actually matter if you are? You know, that's that's... The quality of game isn't measured by the number of branches there are in the code, you know? As long as you feel like you're having an influence on the game, that's what matters. Totally. And I also appreciate that. Well, one of the, one of the reasons that you're here in the first place in this castle is you're being trained to be Mercilia's retainer and potentially eventual partner. And uh, let's be She doesn't say retainer. Everyone who mentions it is says consort. They're training to be part of her harem. Um, yeah. Mercilia yeah. and you have different thoughts about that. You're both like, mm, are, is that what's happening? But everybody else is pretty sure. <laughs> but yeah, part of that is learning more about the kingdom and their culture and... Um, the things they eat, their practices, and all that. And the game actually slyly qu- quizzes you about this stuff to make sure you were paying attention. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, when you're getting introduced to her other um, sisters who are also princesses, um, there's basically, in an earlier part, you had an opportunity to listen in and find out what the rumors were about the various characters. And through context clues, and not exactly saying it out loud um you meet these princesses and then a choice pops up it's like oh you're and then you have to choose the right name Mm -hmm. and once you get past that you also have a situation where it's like oh this character is like i i recommend this dish it pairs well with this other dish and you have to be like oh i have to remember exactly what these dishes were because they talked about that earlier and even showed me a picture of them. But it's also nice because, like, one, those choices don't matter that much if you flub them. Um, and also the game has, like, mouse wheel scroll back and you can scroll back past choices. So at least with the food one, I totally flubbed it. Um, and she was like, oh, no, if you do that, that's going to be inedible. And I just scrolled back and picked the different one. She was like, wow, I'm surprised you knew. And I'm like, yeah, me too. <laughs> I had to do that for one of the princesses, too, <laughs> like when I was trying to call out their name, and they got insulted in various ways until I got the right one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I like that it does it does quiz you on that stuff, but it's also not like a really high consequence quiz. It's just sort of like, hey, no, you should pay attention to this stuff. We're going to care about it. It's like, okay, good. Good to know. Um, yeah, the, the world building has a purpose, and it's nice to have that feeling. Mm-hmm. And it's nice to feel like you're being given hand you're you're being you're being given places to grasp onto the world and feel more involved with it yourself and for what we've seen of it i feel like the world building is honestly pretty good i still like it i, I do feel it's a little too hentai game to be like oh this is our religion of sex and beer i'm like okay all right cool um but pretty much everything else, I mean, like, the way they set up the, like, the way the world works and sort of, like, various things about, like, cultural traditions and stuff, I think is pretty, is interesting and engaging. hmm And even when it's getting into the more sexual bits, I, I really enjoyed Ian Ray's wives as characters. Like, uh, <laughs> there's something fun about the way that they kind of act as both 
messengers for Yonrei when she's not around and you're trying to convey something. And they also kind of gossip about her behind her back, but in a very... And in front of her in a very loving way. Mm-hmm. It, it feels... It feels like their relationship is genuine. And it, it's funny because immediately everyone's like, oh, you brought Sariva back here because you want her to be one of your harem too, huh? And <laughs> there is this sense like, oh, she's a nice enough person and seems pleasant to be around enough that it's a possibility. Yeah, I think that, the, you know, I could see there being in chapters you know, the next chapters, assuming they happen, uh, that I could see that being a, an arc that the story goes or has the, has the potential to go. Um, another thing that's just, I mean, you know, I don't think this needs to weigh in your decision, but it is just interesting to note that something worth talking about is that for, um, for Lubisoft, this could very well be their last game. Um, they kind of all in to get this game done. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not easy for indie games out there in general. And I would say it's especially not easy for people making visual novels out there. Totally. And it, it's an even further sliver of difficulty when you're dealing with something that has eroticism or deals with eroticism. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, we've, I've talked about this on Twitter in the past, but, uh, like, during the whole, it was around 2018, I believe, when Steam was cracking down really hard on all visual novels in general. A lot of the vo- a lot of the prominent voices that came out and talked about it from the erotic visual novel end were, to be frank, awful people. Like the quote that got around through various news sources was uh, the person who does that. Uh, I don't even know the name of that uh, puzzle game. Uh, but yeah, they, they described it as quote-unquote an anime waifu holocaust. And I've spoken with, like, I've spoken with Lupisoft developers uh, on several occasions in the past before this, and they were never like that. They never, they were, they never spoke in that regard. They always seemed like they were not gross about the kind of things that they were making Mm -hmm. they and i really would appreciate it if these developers got to keep doing what they're doing so there would be more there'd be more content that isn't made by gross people because they seem like really nice people yeah i mean you know it's, it's it's a situation where like i mean we got these copies of the game for free and it's it's you know it's important to be like, hey, do you, you know, do you trust us, right? We're not here to sell you on something just, you know, because we were bought out. Um, to me, it's really important that games feel comfortable discussing eroticism and sexuality m- maturely and, you know, in in detail because that's just an element of games. It's, it's you know, I, I hate to, you know, sound like just every other talking head, but like, it, it, it does say a lot about the state of games and also of our culture where it's like, no, it's totally fine to have games where you're ripping people's spine out. But like, if you show a boob, you're canceled. It's, it's embarrassing. Um, and it's not like, like, you know, heavy hentai games are necessarily for me, but I think they're a really healthy thing to exist. 
Um, and so in that sense, I, I like it was important to me that we cover a game like this, not necessarily Dizzy Hearts, though we had the opportunity, it came along, and we were like, okay, great. But it's like, we've talked the talk, right, of like, no, we really want to support, you know, even even games that are, that are, you know, going into, you know, etchy stuff, and it's like, or hentai, and it's like, no, we could, if we can talk the talk, but we also got to back it up. We also got to be there and, and give the coverage. Absolutely. And uh, it's, I can't give any guarantees about how many more... Um, erotic visual novels we'll be covering for this podcast we do want to create a situation we we do want somewhat to have a wide variety of games just so that it doesn't uh so that as many people can feel free to participate in our book club style as they want to and if there's one that doesn't fit their tastes or isn't part of their demographic they can skip that and go to the next episode but uh yeah overall it it'd be nice to have a variety of visual novels to talk about on here Mm -hmm. and hopefully covering this is a step in that direction it's also important because like part of the part of the, the premise of this podcast is like it's so common for larger coverage to boil visual novels down to it's the games where you date and maybe have sex. And it's like, you know, that's part of the genre. But the genre is much bigger than that. And it's really important to show the breadth of the genre on this podcast. Absolutely. Uh, with that said, I don't. do you want to kick it to our announcement here? Yeah. So, um, for our next Novel Not New episode, we are still going to be covering 80 Days, I believe. But um, aside from that, um, we finally uh, found a third host for us to return with, and that happens to be someone named Olivia. Mm-hmm. Uh, at uh, Great Grebe on Twitter, uh, you can if you're if you're curious about Olivia, um, you can see some of their writing, uh, and all over on Medium.com/slash/AtGreatGrebe. You can also uh, see Olivia, well, hear Olivia, on an episode of uh, Oops All Anime, if you're one of our uh, patrons over on uh, patreon.com slash Media. Uh, she guested for our uh, His and Her Circumstances, uh, Karekano, uh episode. Yeah, and I, that was a very fun conversation to have. Like, uh, I think that was a pretty good episode, and we're... We're excited to have Olivia on for future episodes of Novel Not New. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's 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 excited to have a have a full staff again. Excited to have a really a really great uh, person in in Olivia, who's, who's really just been fun to talk to and a really really interesting, engaging person who's going to be good for the show. And I also just do uh, we're gonna like I I want to say we had a lot more people like offering to join the show than we expected we i i at least expected we'd have like maybe two people um be like hey sure i guess we can do this if you need help um but we had numerous people very eager to join us and i like in all sincerity it is there there was a moment where i was like maybe we can do a thing where they're all part where not all of them but like a lot of them are part of the team and we like switch out with episodes um i think that's a bad idea I think we're better served by having a steady cast, but really we had such great people come forward and, and just really, really appreciate 
the the fantastic people who came to uh to offer their their voices to the show absolutely and yeah we managed to meet a lot of people who are really uh, we managed to meet a lot of uh, people who have a lot of really good opinions on things and we recorded some episodes of Oopsaw Anime with them as well and they were all excellent guests so it was really tough having to choose one person to uh, bring onto this but uh, we're we're so thankful for everyone who everyone who responded the response uh, overwhelmed us in terms of just it blew our expectations out of the water mm-hmm yeah yeah it was it was amazing um really excited to to get forward and and talk about 80 days a great game a really great game mm-hmm. i'm i'm glad that we'll still get to talk about it even after the hiatus mm-hmm. uh but i think it's time for the uh promotion zone <laughs> Yeah, um, I'm at JBU3 on Twitter. Uh, most of my stuff lives on ScanlineMedia.com or Patreon.com slash ScanlineMedia. If you happen to be listening to this episode um, from someplace other than the Abnormal Mapping website, uh, you can get to that website and the archive of these other episodes by going to ReadingGames.online. Uh, yeah, and I am 6Detmar, S-I-X-D-E-T-T-M-A-R on Twitter. Um, that's my at. I didn't say the at up front. That's what I'm supposed to do. Um, and uh, if you are interested in uh, our work, Jen and I's, uh, you can find it at scanlinemedia.com or patreon.com scanlinemedia, where we have all sorts of podcasts and articles, the occasional stream. We keep ourselves busy, and I like to think we do some pretty cool work. So Absolutely. But uh, this, is, this is 2020, and obviously with 2020, we need a new sign-off. Not that we really had an old one. Um, <laughs> a quick save. <laughs> yeah, I, I would go with read on, but that's already taken by our other podcast. Uh, Keep scrolling. So, uh, <laughs> Keep scrolling. No, that's, well, that's well, not a thing. It's not a thing.